return is very close And so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God Our God is an awesome God Welcome to a service at Holy Life Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let's go into the sanctuary and here's today's message. Bring your Bibles today. Say with me, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. I will never be the same. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. We want to produce more love. Amen. Kids rock. Yeah, ages three to first grade. You can head back there. Very good. Thanks. Kids rock. Church can head back. All right. Let's look at Luke chapter nine a second again. Luke chapter nine. It's like we're talking about the very heart character of God. So when Jesus was getting ready to go to Jerusalem to pay the price for us. His messengers went before him, which included James and John, the village of the Samaritans. Might have been Sychar, the the woman at the well, uh, John chapter 4, and so forth. Go to the next verses. They did not receive Jesus. The disciples became, of course, they took offense. They were angry. They wanted judgment, and so forth. And so James and John, when they saw this and so forth, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? So, so here's, here's James and John. Now, you don't say things like this unless you're angry, right? Unless you want judgment. And that's what James and John wanted, to consume, to kill, to annihilate a village in the name of God. And so they were religious. They were followers of Jesus. They quoted the Bible. Quoted the Bible. Elijah. So forth. Just as Elijah did. Old Testament story and so forth. They, they did all those things. They're hearing. Of course they're thinking. They're spiritual. Hearing a voice. Let's do, do what Elijah did. Command fire to come down from heaven. And the only problem is. They were 100% wrong. This is a great, this is a great teaching. The next verse is Jesus said this. When he looks at James and John, he turned very sharp here, rebuked them. And so you don't know what manner of spirit you are of. This is a demonic spirit that was trying to do this. Old Testament, New Testament now, Jesus brought a new covenant. Notice what Jesus said. The Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives. The Son of Man came to save people. He's not trying to kill people. He wants to save people. And they went on to another village. Now, how did John get, John the disciple, get from being angry and judgmental to John the Beloved, who writes about love? Interesting, of course, John never recorded this story. John never wrote about this story. It's kind of, oh, that was my past life. That was the past John. So we realize, we think, oh, all these wonderful things about John and, oh, the beloved and so forth. How did he get there? How did he get from this place? You're angry. You're so angry. You're willing to destroy a village. Men, women, and children. Burn them up. Judgmental. They need it. And how does he get from that place to a place where John the Beloved. And the answer is pruning. There is an answer to this. 
And that's what we're talking about today, pruning. Because from that moment Jesus said that, the moment Jesus turned around and looked at James and John and rebuked them, it was like the, the revelation, the epiphany, wow, is this old man evil or what? Do I need to change? Yes. And the revelation that Jesus came to save people and not destroy them. And from that moment, prune, 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 click off, click off, dead branches, dead branches. And from that moment, John changed. Now, we're always changing, so it wasn't like he got perfect. But from that moment, John began to change. Remember John 15, when Jesus talks about the vine, he's the true vine, we're the branches. If a branch doesn't bear fruit, he takes it away. Doesn't matter. So John's got branches out here that aren't good branches, right? He's got branches out here not bearing fruit that are not good branches. And the Lord says, I want to take, click, I want to take that branch off and I want to take that branch off. I want to take care of that attitude. A lot of times it comes down to attitudes. He'll take off the dead branches. And, and a branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are clean through the word which I have spoken to you. So the pruning comes through the word. Jesus spoke to them, but he speaks to us about being of the right spirit and the right love and to care for people, even if they reject Jesus, even if they don't like God, even if they're whatever, they might be mean and evil. And Jesus just said, Let's just go to another village. We'll leave him alone. He didn't, he didn't condemn them himself. He didn't say, I'll deal with them later. You never see Jesus saying or doing that. Now, here's the neat revelation. Ephesians 2.10, that we are his workmanship, all right? Created in Christ Jesus. So we are his workmanship. So there's kind of a sign that's an invisible sign that's on us, but it says still under construction, Turn to your neighbor and say, you're under construction. And in this construction, it's like a remodel, all right? I mean, making all things new. But in the process, he's cleaning out the old things that should not belong in the new. It's a remodel job. And we're all under this construction until the day that we die. So lifelong construction. <laughs> we never get out of this construction business. We're in it to the end. And so he's working in us as he was working in the disciples. Sometimes the disciples were hot-tempered. They were impatient. They wanted their own glory. They made mistakes. But Jesus knew mm, they're under construction. And we're in that place, and in a good way, we're in that place as long as we submit to the pruning. As long as we decide we're going to keep growing. But the moment we stop, well, then we stop. The production stops. So we're either living in a mess or we're living in unfinished stuff that shouldn't be and so forth. But the disciples, you know, remember the disciples, they were arguing along the way, who's going to be the greatest? And then he stopped. And he says, what are you talking about? Oh, nothing, nothing. And he takes a child and he sets the child in the midst. And he says, you know, the world's looking for greatness. They're looking for greatness. Not so amongst you. Because amongst you, who that's great is the one who will be the servant, just as I am, just as Jesus was, right? And is, all right? He's in us. And so that equates to greatness. And so Jesus was always working with these disciples all the time, like, under construction, no, let's change this, no, let's do that. So then John records, all right, John chapter 13, 34, 35, which we said, now, this is the John after... The judgment call on the Samaritans. We're, we're getting closer now. We've to Jerusalem here now. After that, Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you. That you love one another as I have loved you. Now, John witnessed this. He witnessed this kind of love. He witnessed what Jesus did for people. All right. And so by this, all men are all, all will know that you are my disciples if you have loved one for another. So now John's writing about this wonderful love, this love for people. John 15, he writes again, John 15, he says, my commandment that you love one another. This is my command. Now, these are commands. These aren't suggestions. So so. 
anything that we do in life, we must we have to practice this. Right. It's like remember last week we had the 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 idea of a basketball. And if your your dominant hand, if my dominant hand is my right hand, then my left hand is naturally weaker. The devil will always play to your weakness. He's smart. So, you know, if you're you're going to get angry, you're going to get upset, you're going to take an offense. Boy, he knows where to get you. Some people get so they get angry at televisions talking about the news and they're angry. It's a TV, you know. And people talking that you don't even know. But people get people get upset. I've said this so many times over the months. People are angry in this world. Christians are angry. But it's just the opposite of what Jesus would want us to do. We have commands to love God, love people. These are commands. These aren't suggestions. And we're not to be people out here with anger. We're to be people out here bringing peace and hope and love to this world. So you have to practice this all the time. Any athlete, if you, go, if you went to a pro basketball game today and you watch Steph Curry warm up and he would be warming up hours before the game, but he's dribbling two basketballs, he's doing different things. Some people act like they're trick things. He just handles it without looking at it. So that what? So he has no weakness when he plays. You have to practice love all the time. So your right hand, ah, I love all of you. Oh, you're all wonderful. But these other people, you know. And all of a sudden, your left hand comes into play. And the ball's kicked out and so forth. You lose control. And pretty soon you might be saying or doing things that you may later regret. <clears throat> it's interesting John didn't record his story. But Luke did. I want to tell that story. I want to tell him. How you acted. I want to tell them about the way you were before you became all lovey-dovey. And I want to tell them, of course, that there's a difference between the Old and the New Testament. And how we approach things and how we do things. So it takes practice all the time. Amen? It takes practice. Training, training, training. John got a revelation when Jesus spoke to him. And then he begins writing, and all these scriptures are what? They're pruning scriptures. You're pruned through the Word. All right? Now, don't... The world and much of Christianity says, you know, he wants to prune you through bad events. You know, this happened, this accident happened, he's trying to prune you. All wrong. You're pruned through the Word. You're pruned through the things Jesus says. So, John records this again. All these things, chapter 13 was pruning. Chapter 15 is pruning. Because if, now the thing is, if you're not with Jesus, you're not around the, you're not around the pruning shears. It's like the pruning shears are hung up in the garage and you never get around them. And many, many Christians, when we, when we talk about reading the Bible, many Christians don't read the Bible. And yet we need the Word of God because the Word of God will speak to us every day. And the Word of God, when it comes off the pages to me, it goes like, ah, let me just take care of that. Oh, it's not a big branch. That's okay. I'll remove the nub. <laughs> Let's just remove it all. So these are pruning verses. So he says it again. This is a commandment, I said to you, that you love one another. Greater love is no man than this, and a man lay down his life for his friends. So I want you to, I, Jesus said, I want you to love as I have loved. And he gave him an example so they could see it all the time. Hey, remember as I loved you. Remember when he said this. Remember how he treated that woman. Remember... I can imagine there's just different stories even around the fire. Like, John, remember when you and James wanted a cult on fire? <laughs> Let's not go there. Let's not go there. <laughs> I'm a new person in Christ. So, you know, so John 13, John 13, verse 23. So there was a man leaning on Jesus' bosom, one of his disciples, whom Jesus loved. Let's go to the next verse, John 21, verse 20. Peter turned around and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, didn't Jesus love everybody? Yes, he did. But something stood out in this relationship. And what's standing out in the relationship is John's embracement of pruning. John's embracement to be like Jesus. Realizing, catching the whole vision, not only that he was the Christ, that he was the Messiah, but that God is love. And he sees this and he catches this vision. And so the disciples realize, man, they got a thing going here. 
So, so even Peter turns around and says, notice the saw the disciple whom Jesus loved, leaned on his breast at supper and said, Lord, who is the one that betrays you? John was close, became closer. John 21, verse 24 then, just says, this is the disciple who testifies of these things. Yeah, the disciple is John, who wrote these things. His testimony is true. So we cannot be offended by pruning, or let's just say this word, correction. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't be offended by correction. The, the scripture says the word of God is profitable for instruction and correction. So God brings us his word to prune us, to help us, right? A coach will take his players, and if they have weaknesses, <clears throat> in practice, they'll focus on their weaknesses. Of course, you want to develop, keep developing strengths, but keep working on the weaknesses to get them better so that they become more talented, right? Because the better you become, people are going to throw full court presses at you. People are going to overplay your weak hand. It's really amazing, the scouting reports. They know, they know someone's got a weak hand. Boy, they're on that. They're driving them to their weak hand. Driving all the time. He's right-handed. Make him go left. Make him go left. Make him go left. Can't shoot left. Make him shoot left. The devil will do the same thing to people. They're hot-tempered. You can get them with this guy. You can show them, show them this picture. They'll get upset when they hear that. Devil's smart. Hey, tell them this story. They'll get upset when they do that. Tell them this story. They'll really blow up at that one. And that's just, that's just common because, because that's how the enemy works. So what do you have to do? You have to practice love. Godly love. Doesn't mean you like people, as you've always said. But you have to love people. You have to be nice to people. You have to treat them the way Jesus would treat them. Amen? So pruning, the process of pruning brings growth. So John goes from the guy who's, who's upset, wants, wants judgment, wants to burn him up. He's angry and goes from the guy who's leaning his head on Jesus' breast and say, I get it. Boy, I, get, I understand. I get what you're saying. And he actually, the other disciples see the change in John and where he's at, what he's writing. Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit begins with love. Everything begins with love. Ephesians, 1 Corinthians 13, the greatest of these is love. Everything about God deals with love, that God loves people. If we're going to go grow fruit, you, you're going to have to have love. Even 1 Corinthians 13, when it says people can prophesy and they can have all the faith and they can do all these other things. And obviously that can happen then. But if you have not love, you're missing the heart of Jesus. So, you, so I obviously wouldn't have said it unless they could do it. So they prophesy, they could do miracles, they could do all these things. But without love, no, it's, you're missing the point. The fruit of the Spirit begins with love. All ministry begins with love, loving people. I've said a number of times, a lot of ministers love a crowd but really don't like people. They love the crowd, but they don't want to get around the people. I don't want to get dirty. Don't, don't, don't bother me with questions. Don't do this and that. Jesus is just the opposite. He was around the people all the time. People could talk to him. They could come up to him. They could visit with him. They could touch him. That should tell us something, right? The old, the old thing, you know, what would Jesus do? That would help a lot of people in their lives. Would Jesus do that? Would Jesus say that? Would Jesus think that? John, James and John's actions began with up here in their head, hearing a voice. So any voice you hear, you have to line it up with the Word of God to say, is that the voice of Jesus? Is that what Jesus would do? 2 Timothy 1.7, we think of power and we think of sound mind, but he also gave us the spirit of love. So it's a spirit. It's the Holy Ghost. This is the Holy Spirit, right? When Jesus said, you don't know what spirit you're of, not the Holy Spirit. It's a demon spirit. So he's addressing something demonic in James and John. But now he's addressing something. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of love. And I really think, folks, if, if we're going to have if we're going to have power, we're going to have a sound mind. All extends out of this love relationship with Him, 
and our love relationship to other people. Then, then we have the spirit of love working in us, in our character. And, of course, that's what God wants to work in us is his character, right? There's no greater thing in the character of God than love. Nothing greater than, than that. I mean, we can think righteousness and holiness. That will all take care of itself if you have love. All the love, all the law is fulfilled in one word. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, your neighbors, yourself. You fulfill all the law with love. Hebrews 10.24 says we provoke one another. And we're provoking one another. We love the good works, but we're provoking them. This is New King James, I guess. You stir up love. King James says you're provoking one another to love and good works. You're provoking people. What is that doing? It's snip, prune, snip, prune. When I spend time with Jesus on a regular basis, I'm not spending time to get a message. I'm not spending time to... You know, figure something out. I'm just spending time with him. And he brings me across verses all the time that are pruning. Pruning. Taking care of things. To do what? So we grow. So we become like him. So we become more loving. And he'll provoke me to good works, of course. But he provokes me first. Stirs me up first to love. Think about somebody right now. Think, but think about anybody. Could be a Christian, non-Christian, worldly person. Think about somebody that maybe kind of gets you. And the Lord would say, well, I already love them. And we know that from Scripture because God commended his love toward us, toward the world. For God so loved the world. Classic verse. But he didn't, the next verse in verse 17 of John 3, the next verse, he didn't send him to condemn the world. He sent him to save the world. That's, see, let's take it out of our Americanized system and let's be in the world system and look at the world and think how God loves the world. I'm aware of many, many adverse things happening in the church world today. And I'm not talking about people, things on YouTube or whatever, like, oh, we can't say this or that. No, I'm talking about people losing their lives. I'm talking about people in some cases losing their heads literally. And yet they love. We have people in the world walking in a level of love that many of us are only scratching the surface on. They've had their houses burned. They've had a family member killed. Maybe lost their parents, lost their income, lost anything they had of value, and yet they still love Jesus. And yet they're still willing to go back to an area that's very traumatic and try to rebuild their lives and love people. To forgive murderers. These are very difficult things. We're not in that area. We haven't experienced those things. However, if we can just a little bit try to put our, our feet in their shoes, what would I think? And folks, just going to be honest, I'd be upset where I'm at. I'm, I'm growing, I'm learning, but you know, you just in the natural, you'd be upset. You'd be angry. It'd be tough to sleep at night. People would want revenge. Let's get back at them. Let's do this, something to them now. Let's retaliate. But you never see that in Jesus, and you never see that in the New Testament. You never see that. And what is that saying about us? It's saying, the Lord is just saying, I, I want to keep working on you. Quit thinking about anybody else. Just think about your life right now. All right? All right? Your life. All right? It's just a personal thing. Pruning is very personal. All right? And so he works on us in a personal way, trimming our lives so that we be like him. He's not making us like a church or something else, denomination, a movement. No, no, he's making us like him. That's a pretty good deal, I think. Be like him. 1 Peter 1, verse 22 says to love one another. See your obedience to truth and purify yourself with this for sincere love of the believers See that you love one another from the heart, always unselfishly seeking the best for everyone. Uh, so, so King James talks about love one another fervently, with a pure heart fervently. 
And now this kind of gives you a way to say, well, how do I do that? Well, unselfishly seeking the best for everyone. So unselfishly seeking, well, I'm I'm just going to pray to bless them. I'm just going to pray that God would do something good for them. And we, we, on the other hand, so many times will think, well, wait a minute now. They did wrong. They were wrong. And Jesus would say, yeah, I know they were. So I still want you to love them. (laughs) You were wrong, too. You're still messed up. (laughs) You're not perfect. You're still under construction. See, we don't want to get good enough in our life that we get to this place of self-righteousness, kind of like, I got all that under control. I don't have, I don't have those problems at all anymore. Well, that, then you become a self-righteous snoot. And churches are full of them. They're just full of them. So pretty soon they're looking down at it. They ought to get their life together. They shouldn't be doing that. And, of course, that doesn't help people, does it? Why why do you think it was the Pharisees hated Jesus because here came all the the sinners and so forth gathered around him and he had dinners with him? Why why did they hate that? Because in their mind, he shouldn't be associating with those people. And yet he said, I came to seek and save the lost. Those that, hey, if you don't need a physician, fine, these do. I came to love people. That's what this is all about. That's what he's training us for now. People say all the time, oh, it must be the last days. And of course, whenever something happens, you have prophetic things and Russia and this and that is the end times. Folks, hello, wake up call. End times began a long time ago. And then I have to tell people, okay, honey, if you think it's the end times, what are you going to do about it? Well, what you ought to be doing is reaching souls. I have people send me, did you see this YouTube on, on Russia and so forth, the end times? It's like, sorry, instead of sending me your YouTubes, why don't you do something for Jesus? Right? If we think it's the last days, if you think you, what would you do if you had six months left to live? What would you do in your life if you had six months left? left? What would be the significance of it? I hope it's not about travel or doing this or more on my bucket list. No, I would think about souls. And if you if you think at all, that first goes to your family. You want your kids to be living for Jesus. You'd be looking at them, live for Jesus. You'd be looking at your grandkids, live for Jesus. You look at other people, live for Jesus. That's the message. Right? So if we think it's the last days, then really the message is Jesus Christ. We should be, we should be all the more like, hey, he said, go into all the world. Let's get this done. Come on, we've got to work while it's day. The night comes when no man can work. So John writes these love letters, you know. And 1 John 4, 7 and 8 says, you know, he says, let us love one another for love is of God. I love this. I love thinking about how John was. I love what he's saying. I love seeing this transformation. Love is of God. Everyone who loves is born of God, knows God. He who does not love God, knows not God, for God is love. Boy, this is really huge now. This is his whole care. This is the core. This is his heart. And I, I, of course, I can love lots of things, of course, that we teach on, of course. But it all gets back to his heart. And his heart is love for people. That's, that gets back. So, John, and one of these verses, I read these verses, and the Lord says, Prune, you thought about that other guy. No, you didn't like, okay, prune. And what do you want to do? What do you want to do when there's pruning? Yes, Lord. You submit yourself to the correction of God. Why? So you can be like him. So you can be like Jesus. You don't want to read this verse like this. Well, but. No, no, there's not. There's not. Don't put a but there. When it talks about loving people. But if they've done this. No, no, no. Now I got a right to hate them. Have they done this? No, no, no. I can. Now I can speak against them. There is none of that. There's no out for us. Isn't that something? He gives us these commands and it's like a wiggle room. You know, and I've tried all this. I've tried all these things. But, well, you know, well, they did. The dog, there's no wiggle room. Pretty soon I'm just cornered into Scripture. Okay, start pruning. So you love one another. Love is of God. 
This, this is, this is, look at this line. This is, this is, can be a very convicting line. If you, he who does not love, does not love, does not know God. Wow. Huge. Verse 11 there says, beloved, let us, God so loved us, we ought to love one another. What is he saying? He's just saying, he gives you love, I want you to give it away. So, and I realize, wow, we've all been in great need. He gave us love, grace, forgiveness, and he's always saying to us, give it away. Now, this, this, this is the sort of thing you get to practice all the time. You'll leave here today at noon, you might practice it at lunch, you might practice it at the store. You turn on the radio, might practice it then. Turn on the TV, might practice it then. Look at your computer, practice it then. I'll guarantee you, you have to work with your weak hand. You have to work on this constantly. Professional athletes who are professional, who play unbelievably good, practice constantly. Constantly. All the time. And they practice fundamentals. So it's not like their big thing, I'm really going to practice those dunks. No. No, they're not, that's, not, that's not fundamental. All right? They're practicing other things, though. They're practicing to make themselves better so they can play better, be more effective for their team. It takes practice. Pruning here. What's the pruning? If God loved us, we ought to love one another. Prune. Prune. Scripture's good. Prune. Next verse is there for verse 16. We've known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. He who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Key verse, of course, the heart of God is love. If we live in love, then we live in God. We talk about living in the Holy Spirit, walking in the Holy Spirit. If we're going to do that, the Spirit, all that begins with love. The Spirit is love, right? So all these things go back again, living in this love relationship with Jesus, living in this love with other people. I'm, I'm amazed. This is, this, is, this is such, this is very good stuff that helps us grow into his character. Verse 20, next verse is there. So if someone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he's a liar. Wow. <laughs> Pretty sobering words. People say, I love the Lord, I love the Lord, and so forth. And they're looking at other people, I love the Lord. Let's put it this way. There's more, pe there's more people probably in love with their denomination than they are with Jesus. So this verse fits. Someone says, well, I love God, but you hate your brother. I don't know. You're a liar. These are heavy things. These are weighty pruning shears that, that if you're in the word all the time, I, tell you, I guarantee you the Holy Spirit will bring things around to you and say, now look at this. And we're talking about New Testament here, all right? James and John, James and John got buried in Old Testament judgment. Jesus corrected them, brought them into New Testament revelation. The new covenant, the blood of Jesus. Seeing the heart of God. He does not love his brother whom he has seen. How can he love God who is not seen? And this commandment, command again. The commands you have in the New Testament, isn't it interesting? The commands you have all deal for the most part with love. I command you. I command you to love. I command you to love. And, of course, we use the commandment, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Why would we do that? For love, right? You don't go into all the world and make more disciples of your denomination. Again, that's, that's where most denominations are at. And we started 25 churches today, just like ours, with our name on it. We're pretty proud of that. And the question is, are they like Jesus? I don't care if you start 6 million churches. Are they like Jesus? If it isn't like Jesus and love, then it's nothing. See the, 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 see the idea that has to get into people's heads. Training, New Testament theology, kingdom-mindedness. Kingdom-mindedness is that you think of Jesus and what he's doing in the world. Without all the other structures. Okay, This gets into a different mindset than when you see that. And God just says, I want to prune people. 
But again, if people aren't in the Word and receptive to the Word, then they read it through their frosted glasses. Well, I think this. Oh, I think, I know, yeah, that's a good word, Pastor Dave, but I can do what I want to do. Sorry. He doesn't change things to fit your theology or mine. And the process of becoming a Christian, getting saved in a bar, transformation and so forth, which to this day has only continued, and the more I've known the Lord, the brighter the light gets, and they realize, oh, Lord, I need a lot of help. Because there's a lot of us, a lot of change in us that needs to be done. So people get saved, and they, you know, they get kind of right with God, and yet wiggle on away their old life yet. <laughs> and don't change anymore. So, so you can't say, I love God and hate your brother. He does not love his brother, has not seen, doesn't even know God. Doesn't even know him. You're just, you're just making proselytes. That's what the Pharisees did. Proselytes. You're making them twice fit the hell like you are. This is the commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must, must notice the word, love his brother also. Command is a command. You must do it. There's not a but there, not a question mark, not a comma like, what do you think your opinion is? What would you like to do, Dave? He doesn't give me that option. He doesn't give me those options. He gives me directives, in this case, very, very clear. Snip, snip, snip. You want to be, and it's my choice. You want to lose that attitude? Yes, I do, Lord. Okay, snip. And, of course, you don't stop because things grow back. Hello? <laughs> things grow back. So constant maintenance is important. You know, like weeds, they just keep growing and growing and growing. So if Jesus is the source of love, we have to love others. He's the source. He's my source. He's your source. Amen. <laughs> so Luke chapter 6, we, we read those scriptures. And of course, remember, the, the whole scripture, given it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, has nothing to do with money, has everything to do with love. Give love, and it shall be given to you. Give it in abundance. Good measure. Press down. Shaken together. Run. Give it. Give it. So Jesus said, love your enemies. Do good. Lend. And so on and so forth. Notice Jesus didn't say, hey, I want you, I want you, to, I want you to pray for your enemies. I want to cast the devil out of your enemies. Jesus never went to cast the devil out of his enemies. And he had, he had, the world was his enemy. The world did not receive him. The world did not want him. The world crucified Jesus. We're the world. All right. The world crucified Christ. He died for our sins. But you never see that, and you don't see it in the New Testament. They're not casting demons out. I'm not going to cast those demons out of my enemies. Uh, sorry. Sounds nice. Sounds religious, but not right. I'm casting demons out of that Roman Empire. Sounds good. He would have rallied an army, and they wanted to make him a king in the natural. But it's not right. He could have won the popular vote in the natural. Oh, we're going to get someone standing against the Roman Empire. What? You're not, you're not doing that? What? You're walking away. We have a rally here. For, well, you're walking away. Where are you going, Jesus? Turned his back, walked away. He never, he never did those things. He never gave outs. No, I just said to love your enemies. Well, well don't, don't you want me to cast those demons out of them? No, I just I want you to love them. There's something liberating about the scripture. Because I could, I could justify something sitting, sitting at home or at my desk and I feel like I'm really doing something for God. And the Lord says, are you done, Dave? Okay, let, why don't you go out and love those people now? Why don't you go out and stand with them? Why don't you go out and minister to them? Why don't you do something in that way? He said, I just want you to love your enemies. I want you to do good. I, I, don't want, you, I want you to do all things. And he says, you'll be sons of the Most High. Your reward will be great. Your reward's out of the world, by the way. <laughs> great retirement plan. Your sons are the most high. He is kind. This is the line again. He's kind to the unthankful and to the evil. So when the nine guys, he, ten guys heal lepro, leprosy, nine walk away and he says, hey, where's the other nine? They were healed. Well, they took off. Jesus, you know, there's not a thing. The heart of God is love. So in Jesus, there's not even this emotion like, why those guys? I healed them. Not emotion like that. He would have sinned. He never sinned. He's kind to the unthankful and to the evil. So the goal is to act like his children. A mandate 
is to be merciful. Prune, prune. Because <laughs> why? We can be so unmerciful. We can look at someone and say, wow, you know, we want God to get somebody. And the Lord is just saying, yeah, now you go love them, Dave. That wasn't what I had in mind. I, oh, you want me to be merciful. Hmm. Prune, prune. Quickly, we'll finish here shortly. Galatians chapter 6. Let me just say this. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever man sows, that shall he also reap. He that sows to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. He that sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Many years ago, there was a basketball player named Magic Johnson. <clears throat> there was a news conference. It was announced Magic Johnson has AIDS. Shocked the athletic world, shocked the NBA, shocked Christians. The response, the response of Christians, of course, is he got what he deserved. He got what he deserved. Many times something will happen to somebody else. Could be a sin, could be a tragedy or something. And say, oh, they got what they deserve. They got what they deserve. This is a common line. And the Lord has pruned me on it. Many times. And he just said, no, Dave, they don't get what they deserve. They got what they sowed. Everybody deserves love. Everybody deserves mercy. Everybody deserves grace. Things happen in the world. That's true. You get what you sow, what you plant. But that's not what you deserve. Isn't God good? We don't get what we deserve. We didn't deserve heaven. Folks, without Jesus, you're still not good enough to get to heaven. You're not good enough to get to heaven. You'll only, you'll only get there because of his grace and his precious blood. That's how we'll get there. You should never think when somebody dies, you should never think, oh, that's, that's good. We got rid of a bad person. And it happens. I know terrorists get killed. People get, we got rid of a bad person, you know. That's good. You know, and the reality is, God's not clapping. Because he died for their soul. And I understand, I understand. It, it can maybe make it better for some people. I understand that. Saul of Tarsus was terrible. He was a terrible man. He persecuted people. He killed people. He did awful, awful things. And yet, he responded to God's love. And continued to respond, pruning, pruning, pruning. Think of all the things that pruning on him. From his pharisaical teaching and so forth. That's why it took years before his ministry started. Hello. Prune, 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 prune. And he probably thought, are we done yet? Can we start ministering? And then you minister out of grace. You give grace to people. You want to give grace to people. No one is perfect. We're all under construction. It's not like someone, des no one deserves bad. No one deserves that. They get what they sow. I understand that. But everybody deserves love. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, everybody deserves love. Everybody deserves love. So the, la the next verses in Galatians 6 then just says this. So don't be weary in well-doing for in due season we shall reap if if we lose not heart, therefore, as we have opportunity. So what are we having an opportunity? We're having an opportunity to help and serve others. We're having an opportunity to help and serve others that have sowed bad. All right? They've sowed bad. Their life maybe is a mess. Can't you? I mean, folks, think about it. Think about it this way. Think of, think of, think of all the people that have had abortions. Think of the people that have had abortions that sit in churches and feel condemned. Think of people that have had divorces. Think of people that have lost everything because of drugs. Think of people that have a criminal record that's not going to go away. Think of people in prisons on death row. Everybody deserves love. That's the message, all right? Yes, I know, I know people planted all kinds of ways. All right, we know that. But our response to people is to look for opportunity to do good to all. Especially Christians. Let's not shoot the wounded. When Jim Baker was in the federal penitentiary in Rochester, Minnesota, after the fall of PTLs, a lot of kids, this is history, so for older people know this. 
after the fall of PTL in the late 1980s in the federal penitentiary. And there was one person who came to visit him. One person. One day they said, Jim, you've got a visitor. He said, I do. Bring him down to this place and so forth. And there was Billy Graham who came to visit him and told him that Jesus loved him. I thought, oh, Lord Jesus. Visit. Nobody else did. None of the other Pentecostals did. But Billy Graham did. And came and visited him. And it gave him a heart. It gave him hope for his life. Gave him hope for his future. As far as getting out of prison again. Look for an opportunity. What did Billy Graham do? Well, you know, I've got to be in the Rochester area. I'm... Where's Jim Baker at? What, where's that at? All right, I'll go over there, and you know how it is. You've got to send your ID. You've got to do all these things so you can get in there to see somebody in a federal prison and all these kinds of things like that. A photo picture. I'm sure he's walking through all the things. Hi, yes, I'm Billy Graham. Hi. Billy Graham's here. Well, Billy Graham's here. Wow, who are you seeing? Huh? Jim Baker. Finally, clung, clung, door slam. Clung, 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 clung. And he's in the waiting room to see Jim Baker. That was a planned visit. He looked for an opportunity. He looked for an opportunity to help and to serve and to do something nice. Look for an opportunity. Amen? That's what he did. Okay, last, last verses here. So, so Titus 3. So we put this in the bulletin. Part of it in the bulletin and so forth. But it's good. Be subject to rulers and authorities. Obey. Be ready for every good work. Be, we're, we're in a world. Every, every nation has rulers and so forth like that. So in all those nations, people are subject as much as they can to what's going on. But then it says, speak evil of no one. Isn't that interesting? Don't speak evil of anybody. Any official, any person, don't speak evil of them. Be peaceable, be gentle, showing humility toward all men. I understand. We, we do things, we vote, we speak up on things. However, the attitude and the heart is not doing evil, peaceable, gentle, showing humility. That's the attitude of the heart. Next verse is there, then just says, We ourselves were also once foolish. <laughs> Remember where you've come from, right? Remember where you've come from. We were always once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. That's how we were. Now we're Christians. Prune, 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 prune. We're growing. Hallelujah. Under construction. Growing, growing, growing. So now we can be kind. Now we can be gentle. Now we can be humble. And this all happened because of the kindness and the love of God of our Savior that appeared. That's why it happened. That's how this all got, we got saved but even once you're forgiven of your sins, you still got to get rid of the foolishness. You still got to get rid of deception. You still got to get rid of the lust. You still got to get rid of the malice and envy. It's not like you get saved. Perfect. Wow. Heaven says another perfect product. There they are. Another saved person. Another redeemed person. Hallelujah. And then the construction starts. Getting rid of the hate. Getting rid of hating one another. <clears throat> You know, some of you join us from around the world. <clears throat> a couple weeks ago, we had eight nations join us on this video cast. And if you're watching this video cast, you can share it. You can give it to other people. But I want to just say it's not an accident you're watching. That Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and he loves you. He loves you. You might even be of a different religion, but Jesus Christ loves you. <laughs> he doesn't hate you. He wants you. He wants your life for him. And it's not hard to serve Jesus. It's not hard to come into a relationship. You just pray a life prayer, as one of our friends had said. You pray a life prayer. And it's simple like this. Even people here can pray it. In this place right now, they can pray it. If you're not sure of your own walk with the Lord, but just you acknowledge him. Just say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to reveal yourself to me. And I ask you to cleanse me from all my past. Forgive me for all my mistakes. And I ask you to change my life. And I purpose even from this day to follow you, to serve you, to grow, to be like you, even to be pruned. (laughs) Jesus, I thank you today for your love for me. 
I thank you today for your love for all the people here, Lord. And I want you to just lift your hands just for a second. Just lift your hands and say, I receive that love. Because, folks, we've got to receive it, receive it every day. Because the devil's, you know, wants to, wants to poke holes in our lives and let it ooze out. But you've got to receive it. You want to love your spouse. You want to love your children. You want to love your grandchildren. You want to love whoever you meet. You want to love people. You want to address, if they're not around you, you want to speak blessings over them in Jesus' name. And Father, we surrender to you. We surrender, Holy Spirit, to your love, to your heart, to your nature. And we thank you for indwelling us and equipping us and anointing us to be your people, Lord. A people that, people, that others see Christ in us. They see love. And Father, I just thank you for this across this place, across this video, to other places around the world shared with other people. I just thank you for manifesting your presence. I thank you for bringing, Lord, around the world this revolution in the body of Christ, that it would be this glorious church rising up, Lord, just like you, Jesus. Lord, thank you for helping us. Thank you for helping us. Holy Spirit, you're a helper. Thank you for helping us, Lord, in this walk, even today. I speak blessings over people now. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So just going out and practice it. Amen. Practice it with everybody around. Everything you hear, just practice, practice, practice with that love of God. Amen. Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605-692-4616. You can email us at holylifeatbrookings.net or visit our website at holylifetabernacle.com. If you're in the Brookings area, please stop by to visit a service. We are located at 241 Mustang Pass, just off Main Avenue South. Our service times are Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m., also Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you.